Now, maybe not. Maybe God's always got, he's always got 7,000 that haven't bowed their, their knees to, to Baal. But at the same time, I am so thankful. And for, I am another thing I want to do, and I want you to do this. I want you to search your heart and ask yourself, are you thankful for those that sacrifice every Sunday to go down and be with these kids so that you can sit up here? And the question is, would you be willing to sacrifice so they can do it? See, selfishness is, selfishness is actually exposed by our willingness to do what others have done for us. If we're willing to sacrifice, maybe selfishness is not the, uh, the, the, the God of our own hearts. So, but anyway, let me just go back. So I just wanted to thank the Lord for that because I, young people, I was in Sunday school. My wife was down in Sunday school for about 20 years and, uh, and worked down there in Sunday school. Worked as a Sunday school superintendent and teacher and so forth and so on. And, and uh, I didn't spend near that long down there, but um, I spent three years with uh, the third graders and several years with teens. And I thank God for that experience. I love the young people. And thank God we have a kids camp that the Lord originated with us through prayer and uh, supplication, seeking the face of God. We heard from him, and the Holy Spirit said to the pastor at the time, start a kids camp. And uh, we started with a handful of people, and the Lord said, we just had our 30th kids camp. 30th kids camp. Amen. Is that awesome? It's awesome. God brought it to pass. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. Uh, you just take a little bit of courage, a little bit of faith to step out in obedience, to step out on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the word of the Lord in faith and expecting God to do what only he could do. So we thank the Lord for all the things that he's done. Maybe I can just kind of reminisce here for a second. I was doing this this morning, and I do it a lot, but I just want to say it again. Uh, I am so thankful. To, I've been here 42 years now. I got saved in this church, not in this, not in this building. I got saved in this church, and... Uh, just in watching the exodus and the influx of people in, in and out, in and out. And, uh, you know, just being through, through thick and thin and watching things go on. And, you know, the people that have been here, people don't realize how, how long people have served in this capacity. I'm talking 30 years and, and above some of them, some of them 15 years, 10 years, 12 years. How many of you know that faithfulness is not proven in a couple of days? Amen. You can start out well and end up dead wrong on the beaches somewhere. So it's if you endure to the end, we'll be saved. If we have to continue in the faith and continue. And continuing the faith doesn't just mean believing in Jesus Christ as Lord. But it means continuing in the works that he taught us. Matthew 28, 19 tells us this. And 20, where he tells us that we're to go out. And the, the apostles were supposed to go out and baptize in the name of the Lord. And they were supposed to teach people to observe the teachings of the Lord. How many of you know that observing is different than hearing? In our, in our vernacular, hearing, hearing in that day meant hearing, meant hearing and obeying. I receive it, I hear it, I understand it, and then I go forth. So anyway, so I'm going back to this uh, thought, and I just wanted to say that this morning because I was thanking the Lord for people like that. I would call them out by name, and I know that they'll be replaced. People will be replaced, or, and we, we are in that, st that situation now where we realize that, you know, we're not going to be here forever. Turn around and tell somebody, I don't know whether they told you or not, but you're not going to be here forever either. Uh, you're, you're not going to be here forever. Somebody asked me, they said, you think the, world, the end of the world's coming? I said, it is for somebody today. Probably while we're talking, the end of the world came for somebody today. I know Brother Jason just lost his stepfather who raised him as a dad for, for quite a few years. And uh, they just lost him and thought everything was okay. And, uh, you know, sometimes sickness comes and you got plenty of notice. Uh, other times, there's no notice at all, right? There's going to be people, the people have already lost their lives in this hurricane that were completely healthy and many wealthy. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't make a difference whether you're poor or whether you're rich. The end here comes for everyone. 
The question is, do you have a new beginning somewhere you want to be? Come on. When's the time to buy an insurance policy? After you're dead or before? When's the best time to get health insurance? Before or after you get sick? Yeah, you better believe it. So this is serious business today. And I know what, you know, we get so connected to things in the world. So anyway, um, in, in Luke chapter 21 and verse 25 specifically, and I'm not going to minister a lot on this today, but I do want to mention it. Um, they're asking the Lord, you know, when, when, are, when are these things going to take place? And, and when are you coming? What's the sign, uh, signs that you're coming? And all these things are going to happen in, uh, in verse 7. And he's at the end of a discourse, he's talking a lot about, uh, about um, uh, Jerusalem and the Jews and so, and so on. He comes down into verse uh, 25. And, it's ta- and actually, in, my, in this particular Bible, it's subtitled, The Second Coming. How I many of when the second coming comes? When he comes, Jesus is coming back for his own, amen, uh, and he comes back actually to bring peace on the world that, don't, that the world cannot bring on its own. But when he comes back, it's not going to be a pretty picture for everybody. And, and nobody wants to preach that today. And nobody wants to preach today about the truth. The truth is, how many of you know I got, how many of you got a coin in your pocket or in your purse? Okay, how many of you have a two-headed coin? Oh, you got two sides of the same coin. And God is both merciful, but he's also just. Amen. And he cannot lie. If God does not take care of the wickedness in the world, you couldn't say that God is good. Any more than you say, well, we have a good police force, but it never does anything to, to uh, protect us. Or we have, a, we have a, a good army that won't go out and fight. Or we have a good stockbroker that lost all my money. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We got to realize that there's, there are two sides to every story. There's a beginning and the end. He says, I'm the Alpha and the, the beginning and the, amen, and he's everything in between. He's the, all, he's, he's the all-sufficient one. So helping us to know that, the reason I'm gingerly going into this is because I, I, I've been praying and seeking the Lord for this and say, God, you know, the, the time for entertaining messages is over. An entertaining message will not get you through Irma or Harvey or the 8.1 or 8.2 earthquake that hit in Mexico or those ones that are happening around the world or famines or, or uh, the things that are going on in the world. You know what I'm saying? An entertaining message doesn't help somebody in Africa. They just lost all their children to, fa- to famine or lost their wife to ISIS or their husband. You see what I'm saying? I mean, come on, church. We got to get off of we got to get off of the sugar and get into the meat of God's word. Come on. It, it, uh, we can't even take what happens to us today. I lost my job today. We just fall on the floor and there's in a heap of tears. And that's a great that's a horrible thing, but compared to people that just lost their entire family, it means nothing. Amen. If you lost your family today, you wouldn't be caring about your your job. And I'm not saying that jobs aren't important. You understand that. But the Lord wants to emphasize that there are more important things in this world than the stuff that has you entangled. The lust of our flesh. Oh, this pleases me. The lust of our of the eye. Oh man, I wish I had that. Oh my God. You see what I'm saying? And the pride of life. If I could just become. What difference does any of that make when you go to the graveyard and look at tombstones? The most powerful, the most wealthy, the most wise people in the world, and the most foolish and the most poor. And you see, when I said they're all in the same graveyard. 
And I'm not trying to be morbid here. I'm just trying to and you say, well, why do people get saved? Well, some people get saved because they want an insurance policy. They want to get out of the hell that's coming. But that won't keep you. The lady that Jesus picks out is the woman that's washing his feet. And the little widow that put in two mites in the offering plate. He's looking at the love and the, and the affection and the confidence they have and the devotion they have. I was thinking this morning about, uh, uh, I'll get to this. Well, let me read this so I don't have to worry about it. Okay, let's go, hold on to that thought there. I'm going to get back to devout. Say, remember the word devout. Okay, in verse 25, he says, and, and. If you look at verse 24, they will fall with the edge of the sword and will be led captive, talking about the Jewish nations, uh, into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. 1967, Jerusalem was taken back by the Jews. And they're never going to let go of it, by the way. They're never going to let go of it. Now, you know, I don't care what your theology is. The Bible says Jesus is coming back. He's putting his foot on the Mount of Olives there, and he's not going to put it somewhere else, on some island somewhere. I mean, these things are, are literal. It means that that was his. He marked it. Did you know that if you go up over the city of Jerusalem and look down from NASA, you actually have a picture of this, that NASA has a picture of Jerusalem. And here's Jerusalem, and there's three valleys that come around Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits in the middle of it. That that particular valley formation is the exact letter for the word Yahweh. Who else but God who created the heavens and the earth to say, I'm here. And to say, this is mine. It's not the Jew. It's not even really. It's not the Jews necessarily. It's not the Muslims or it actually belongs to God. And God said, "I'll give it to whoever I want to give it to." Now, for two thousand years almost, we've seen it in the hands of, of Gentile people, and we still have the Arabs. Uh, a lot of there's an Arab section, a Jewish section, so on and so on. But the point being is, he jumps from that. He says, uh, "Until the well, I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me there's a day coming when Gentile people." will not sense the same drawing power of the Holy Spirit as they have in the last 2,000 years. Because the Jews right now says God shut them up in unbelief, and they can't believe. In other words, God says, okay, I'm going to the Jews first. He did that in, Acts, in, chapter, in chapter 2 of Acts. He, he came first to the Jews, and he poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost to the Jewish people, and there were noise. People from around the world were there, Jewish people from around the world, and they heard them speaking with other tongues and magnifying God, and they said, what does this mean? And he said, this is, the, this is that which was prophesied in the book of Joel. In the last day says, God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, Jews and Gentiles, and men and women, and rich and poor. He said, that happened. But he says, to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. Jesus says this in Matthew, uh, where he tells them to, or excuse me, when he tells them to go out and preach the gospel, he says, uh, he tells them to go into Jerusalem, the Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. That's exactly what they did. If you follow the book of Acts and follow the procession of where the gospel went, it did that exact thing. How many know God knows what he's doing? God is the one that's, God is the one that's leading the church to do what he has designed the church to be. Honey, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's not anybody's opinion. It's God's opinion. He doesn't give a flip about your opinion. He didn't design the church for you to be pleased. He designed the church for him to be pleased. And when we start pleasing him, we start fulfilling him. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. I was in prayer, and the Holy Spirit said to me, press through the program and get into my presence. I didn't say anything until right now. And, and I know I harp on this a lot, but listen, the Jewish nation was in the program, and they missed his presence. 
He was literally right there among them. The one that Yahweh created, Jerusalem created the earth. He was right there among them. Great is the mystery of godliness. That God was in the world. The world didn't recognize him. Did you know that God is still in the world? The Holy Spirit is moving and he's showing all these things, doing all these things to bring people into the kingdom of God, to let them know, look, I'm calling out to you. What are all these signs for? What are all these signs in the heavens and in the earth? Look at it. Let me just read it again. Verse 25. But the day of the Gentiles, is, in other words, it's going to be fulfilled. There is a day that's fulfilled. When the, there's the day of the Lord. It's going to be fulfilled. There's the day of the Gentiles. It's going to be fulfilled. You have a day of visitation that you can miss. By hardening your heart to God. God will knock on your door, but he's never going to kick it down. You come to Paul, the apostle Paul, he's pretty close to getting the Holy Ghost kicking the door down, don't you think? But he still left it up to Paul to respond to the encounter, to the encounter he had with God. When God gives you an encounter, he expects a response back to him. If I've encountered you, what are you going to do with the encounter that I've allowed you to have to know that I'm here? To know that I touched your heart and brought a tear to your eye or I brought conviction to your heart. Come on. Something to just pull away the blinds. Oh my God, what am I doing here? That was an encounter with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that created the heavens and the earth. And he came for simply to seek and to save that which was lost. You are one of those, but he can't save you if you won't hear his word and obey. So the day of the Gentiles. There is it coming. I don't know exactly what that means, but the day of the Gentiles means God's focused on the Gentiles. He opened the door to him. Okay, Gentiles, it's your turn. Come on in. But it says that day's going to finally be closed. If you're not of Jewish blood here today, I'm speaking to you. If you don't know the Lord as of yet, if you've not yet entered into Noah's ark, if you've not entered into Jesus, who is the ark of God to save us from the flood of wrath and things that are coming upon the world, you're still outside the thing that God has designed to save you Oh, man. The things of this world, before I go here, the things of this world, I was thinking about this road that was down yesterday. How many of you know the little, uh, is it uh, Little Red Riding Hood story? Anybody remember that? What, who was the other character in the? Oh, the big bad wolf. Dressed him up, self, self up to look like granny. There's false shepherds coming, false prophets coming, false teachers coming. Oh, what big eyes you have, the better to see you with, my dear. What big ears you have, the better to hear you with, my dear. What big teeth you have, the better to eat you with, my dear. A wolf is a wolf, no matter how they dress themselves up. But isn't it strange how we are less smart than Little Red Riding Hood? We don't, sometimes don't even recognize that Granny don't look like herself. <laughs> Granny's looking a little weird. She's got great big pointy ears. She's got great big old weird looking eyes and Teeth that are sharp on over, on the ends. And we're conversing with her while she lays on the bed. Oh, it's good to have you home, sweetie pie. Come lay down with granny. <laughs> I want to gnaw on your bones. <laughs> How many of you know sin will do that? It will devour you. In the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, when Cain kills Abel, God comes to warn him first of all. He says, Cain. 
Why are he was jealous? He was envious of the attention that God gave to Abel. Abel gave a righteous sacrifice. What was it? A sacrifice of blood. There's only one sacrifice that pleases God. It's a sacrifice of blood, and it has to be of his making. Adam did not make the lamb. Abel did not make the lamb. God makes the lamb. God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. God says, I want something I created because you can't create anything perfect enough for me to accept you. Hallelujah. This is the difference between grace and law. No matter how good you are, you can't keep the law in perfection. But the perfect one came and he kept the law in perfection as a man to set man free from the condemnation and the curse that was upon him to bring a new future into his life. And that's why God said, I stand at the door knocking. Get out of this mess and get into the bless. Amen. So, Lord Jesus. He says, and there will be signs in the sun hmm, and moon. Hmm. Just had four blood moons. And people, listen, Christian people are going, <laughs> nothing happened. That's like sticking a cake in the oven at 350 and filling it after two minutes and go, nothing's happening. You just don't understand the process of God. You don't understand what's going on. If you take yeast and put it in the water and mix it all up and you're waiting for the, the yeast to rise, you put that in there and fold all the, the flour in. And make, I used to do this in the army and make great big vat of, uh, and you say, well, that thing there ain't going to feed anybody. We had 1,500 men to feed, Randy. 1,500 men come through our mess hall every day. And you put a little thing down in a dough. It's about that big and it's about that wide. And you go, Pfft. well, all they got to do, once the yeast is in there, you cover it up. And you leave, us, leave it in that atmosphere. And all the while, the time is working on the behalf of the purpose of the yeast. And pretty soon you open up and say, oh, my goodness, and the yeast, the dough is clear up here outside this great big vat that we have. And there was more bread than we needed. Just because God hasn't done all the things that are in this word yet, don't think that he doesn't exist. The Bible says in the last day, you're going to say, ah, where's the promise of his coming? We've been hearing that since 2,000 years. Ooh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Ooh, Jesus is coming. Making fun of the church. But I'm going to tell you what, when Jesus shows up, and, and, oh, he said, before he shows up, here's what the scripture says. It says, men's hearts are going to fail them for fear, for the things that are coming upon the earth. There's no way to get out of this church. They're not going to solve global warming. What an idiot. The Bible says the earth is going to melt away with a fervent heat. What an idiot. You think that, see, this is Babylon all over again. We're going to build a tower. We're going to become so smart. We're going to get NASA out there. We're going to get all these studies going on. And we're going to solve all the diseases. We're going to solve, and we will, we're going to actually escape if the world does. We, we're trying to get to Mars now. Well, go up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you want to go live on Mars, go look at it, honey. There ain't nothing up there. Did you know there's eight and a half billion, with a B, species of life on planet Earth? And they find 15,000 on the average every year that have never been discovered before. Go look it up. And every one of those things are different, inside and out. You think this just happened? You think that the sky here is blue, and that once you leave planet Earth, everything is black? It says, by him and for him. Were all things created. Jesus, amen. Aren't you glad he allowed you to see in color instead of just black and white? Come on. What I'm trying to get people to do is understand there's a God that's bigger than you, and let me tell you something. 
with your, all of your wisdom, all your education, and all of your learning, you're nothing but a nitwit in the presence of God. You're a nitwit. You don't know nothing. That's a double negative, and I know it's wrong, but I figure there's a couple of people out there who want to throw a stone at me, so there you go. The smartest people in the world, when they stand before God, say, I don't know anything. It says, matter of fact, let those that think they know something realize they don't know anything when it comes to God. Where were you when I put the stars in the sky? Where were you when I stretched forth my hand and said, waters go there, mountains come here? Where were you at? And tell me how I did it. Go get on your chalkboard. Figure that one out. Still trying to figure out how it happened. I'll tell you how it happened. You're never going to get to the bottom of it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Lord said, let there be, and it was there. Let there be, and it was there. He didn't have to go into a beaker in a biological lab. He didn't have to go figure it out on a computer to figure out how it happened. He just said, let it be, and everything that needed to happen to make it be came to pass because he's the creator, and when he speaks, everything listens. Not just everybody, everything listens. Come on. God said, I'm going to be glorified in the earth. You can bet on this. I'm going to be glorified in the earth. And ain't a thing you can do as man to stop it. Not a thing you can do as an atheist. Not a thing you can do to stop it. Come on. There is a thing you can do it to stop me, my name of being glorified in the earth. Because it shall come to pass. Everything that I've spoken will come to pass. Glory to God. Well, okay. Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 21, verse 25. And by the way, you guys probably going to have to change that title. Don't get me hooked up on those titles. Uh, uh, let me tell you this. Record the title. Throw that stinking 90-cent CD or whatever it is away. I don't care about ruining a DVD or a CD. Get the title right. Get the message right. Not that you wouldn't, but don't be afraid to throw away a dollar in order to save 100 or whatever. Well, no, that's how you do it. Spend 100 to save a dollar. Don't do that. Because they always ask me for my title, and sometimes I don't have a title. And don't dare put down the Word of God. <laughs> That's what your kids say. Well, what they talk about today in Sunday school? Jesus. <laughs> God. <laughs> now, don't fake it. You can't fake it to make it. Come on. We want people to know what this is about. So in case, Lynn, I know, or whoever's back there, Steve, just throw the CD away. Just get a good copy, put a new title on it, and run off the ones that need to be out there. How many agree with that? All right. You say it's part of your tithe money can go to that. Say so that's okay. All right. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Well, I, I wish I had this down. I, 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 there is a star alignment getting, happen, getting ready to happen on, I think it's September 24th. Is that right? 23rd. That is a lineup of what you see in the book of Revelations that talks about the woman giving birth. The spirit, the, 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 this hasn't happened in 7,000 years. And it's lined up that if you take those lines and make the stars, you know, if you make a line out of them or a dragon out of them, and it says there's a dragon waiting, there's actually, they can do the star constellations. There's a star constellation of a woman, looks like a woman, laying on her back in a birthing position. And, this, and Jupiter, which is, has to do a lot with the Son of God, comes down in, in, in paganism, comes down into her belly inside the, the, the uh, archaeological, is it archaeological? Is that it? Not archaeological astrological knowledge or whatever. Here it is, and it's never done this before, and Jupiter moves into her stomach and then comes out in between her legs 
and the dragon comes in to devour the child. And it happens right over Jerusalem. Oh, I think the stars are just up there for twinkling. No, they're not twinkling. They'll get you to. The Jews look to the stars for the signs. <clears throat> but God's telling the Gentiles, there's some signs you guys need to see. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and upon the earth there will be dismay. I'm reading out of the, the, the NASV. <clears throat> this is perplexity up here. In the stars and on the earth, the stress of nations. Here it says, uh, 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 yeah, and, and, and dismay, dismay among the nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. What are you going to do about a Irma that's coming over a Florida that's 150 miles wide where all the people with the big money live down on the Keys and so on and so on? What are you going to do with something like that when some 800 miles wide comes on that thing with 185 mile an hour winds? And it's come down a little bit. I think it's the mercy of God. I do think saints are praying. You know, still bad things are happening, but it could be a lot worse. Amen. <clears throat> I don't want to get sidetracked. But anyway, at the roaring and in perplexity, the nations will be in perplexity. Nations will be in perplexity. At the, at the, uh, at the roaring of the sea and the waves, tsunami warnings went out uh, over the earthquake that just happened in Mexico. Both to, uh, to places there in Mexico that was going to, they thought it was going to cause a tsunami in Venezuela and Guatemala and there's another country or two up there and whether they did or didn't is really not important. The truth is tsunamis do happen and when they happen, how are you going to stand against that? Well, we'll just stack our gold up against it. There's not a wall that can keep a tsunami. You know, is that God judging the earth? No, it's the, I told this to a young lady the other day. It's the consequences of man saying we'll do it without God. And God, looking into the future from before the beginning of time, realized that when man chose to separate himself from God, and that many would just choose to go on without God and become and say, we just do it without God, they tried at the Tower of Babel. Well, praise the Lord, the power went out, but not here. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, there it come back on again. Let there be light. <laughs> so... <laughs> God, looking from before time began to the end of what time would be, said, I see what's going to happen in the end. There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to receive me, not going to accept me. He did tell me, he said, Lord, will many be saved or few? And Jesus said, few. I know we think there's a worldwide revival coming and everybody, seven billion people, seven and a half billion people are all going to be saved. I don't know whether that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there'll be a revival. Lots of people are saved. But if everybody's saved, why would Jesus have to come back as a, as a roaring lion? Why does he have to come back on a horse riding with a sword and so forth and so on? It doesn't make sense. See, we get our doctrines all mixed up with our emotional desires. We want everybody to be saved. Well, guess what? So does God. But everybody has been given the power of choice. The power of choice. And some people will still be scoffing when Jesus comes back. It says that every eye is going to see him. When he comes in the, in the air, and I don't know how he's coming, but I'll tell you one thing. He says the sign of the Son of Man will be in the, will be in the heavens. There again, what is, what's that mean? His sign will be in the heavens. His sign will be. How's that going to, every everybody's going to see him. I don't know what that's going to mean, but they're going to know. 
So anyway, let's go back. And they will, uh, excuse me, verse 25. And there will be signs in the suns and the moon and the stars. And upon the earth there's going to be dismay among nations. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And men fainting. The, new King, the King James Version says man's heart's failing. Men fainting from fear. I tell you, fainting is a whole lot different than your heart failing. <laughs> if I faint, you can put some stuff around my nose and wave some thing on me. I'll come back to me. Well, my heart fails, you better get pumping on me and doing something because I'm not coming back unless something happens in here. And God's trying to tell something in here needs to happen in order to save you. And whoever's listening out there, whether it's, I don't know whether they got me on camera or not, or if they're listening to this by CD later. If your heart fails, God is saying, what's your heart condition? Towards me, who created. I told somebody the other day, I was witnessing somebody in the hospital, and I said, do you realize that you have your being? As an atheist, proclaimed atheist. You have your being because God allows it. That sperm couldn't even have got to the egg if it had not been for the will of God for you to be here. Pride rises up and says, I'll be my own man. Oh, you will. No. See, see what I'm saying? There's a lack of the fear of God today in the church and it's in the world today. And if you're not careful and I'm not careful, our, it says that Lot vexed his righteous soul. It means he brought confusion to his own soul. Another version says he tormented his own, his own soul was tormented just watching and hearing the behavior of the wicked that were around him. And he began to slip to the place where he offered his own daughters to a crowd of homosexual men that had come to rape the angels. How sick do you have to be in your brain, your head, to think that you can take on an angel? That there's no fear of God when you see an angel. And they realize these men are not like other men. Oh, uh, see? And, 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 then, and then Lot steps out and says, oh, don't do this horrible thing. And he tells them about all the things that was going to happen. And, says, and they mocked him and laughed at him as somebody was joking because they didn't take him serious. Is God taking you serious? Is he taking me serious? Does he take, the, or not God, excuse me, does the world around us take us serious? When we're warning? And they're going, well, I was just at a club with you on Friday night, and now you're warning me, get ready, Jesus is coming. What's this deal about? You're sleeping with the same boyfriend that I had six months ago. Or a girlfriend. And you're on the worship team on Sunday morning? Not here. Not if we find out about it. And I'm not trying to be self-righteous. <laughs> Halloween's the time to dress up and try to be something you're not. Because God knows what's behind the false face. Here's the good news, Brother Jason. Jesus has the woman thrown at his feet, caught in adultery. The law says. So the law brings us to Jesus, who is God's grace, right? Right? So the law throws her at the feet and says, you're guilty. You committed adultery. We found you. In the, you know, I know there's a lot of hypocrisy in that because the man should have been there too. But you know how people are. They pick and choose what they want right. to. Right. Hallelujah. Throw it at his feet. It says, we caught this woman in adultery. And the law says that we're supposed to stone her. That's God's law. It came through Moses. Jesus. <laughs> who is greater than he is, he's the law fulfilled, he says, 
He gets down and writes in the dirt and says, well, let the first one of you that's without any sin. That's actually what it means. Without sin, it means without any sin. Because the wages of sin, any 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 sin. Thought? Spoken? Come on. Entertaining? Oh, I don't gossip. But I'll tell you what, man, I meet with some people on Friday. They love to gossip. I love every man. Love I said, to her, ladies, 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 men, 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 you should not be gossiping about this. What did you say about John? <laughs> people love to listen to gossip, and, and, and then they try to convince themselves that they, don't, that they don't love gossip. If you don't love it, you don't hang around to listen to it. So what do you do? Get up and leave. Well, if I get up and leave, what's going to happen? You'll lose your friends. Well, I can't afford to do that. Oh, so you can't confess Christ before men, but you still expect to go to heaven. Whose witness are you? It's time to get serious, church. Three people, amen, the rest of us are going, <laughs> hope he don't come tomorrow. I don't know what the deal is. But seriously, church, I'm, I'm talking to you like nobody else. I'm a prophetic preacher. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach to you prophetically. I'm going to teach to you prophetically. I'm going to speak to you the anointing of God that I have. Now, teachers can come do their thing and everything else, but God's called me to preach what I preach and teach what I teach because God said I'm going to put the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church for the perfecting of the saints to bring them up into maturity. You need them all. Need them all. Amen? Need them all. To equip the saints. Equip them. Yeah, give them the tools that they need. To do what? To edify the saints. And to glorify God as each one of them does their part in the body of Christ. Oh, you mean that there's no, <laughs> there's nobody really that doesn't have a part to play? No, everybody has a part to play. And God said, in the end, I'm going to say, what would you do with the part that I gave you to play and the parts that I put in you so you could play that part? This is serious business. Church is not about coming into an entertaining program and say, boy, wasn't church too good today? They had some rocking music, man. Ba-bang! And it, first it was now it's guitars. Before it was a keyboard. Before that was a, uh, the piano. Before that it was the, the, uh, the organ. And, and there's nothing wrong with musical instruments. But listen, Satan had control of music before he became the devil. Don't think he can't creep into music and mess music up. <clears throat> he can greatest way to get into a nation in the, in the world today is to go in with music. And it don't count what matter how filthy it is. Matter of fact, you might be kept out if you just clean it up. I'm talking about now with the world versus the church. You don't understand? So we just want to come in and sing about Jesus. You can't come in. What do you want? We want to come in and sing about sex and adultery and fornication and drugs and rebellion and so on and so on. And say, man, praise God, we'll load that, con- we'll load the civic center up. We're going to make some money on this deal, 50, cent, $50 a head. Half the congregation there is churched and half of them not. Be back in church on Sunday worshiping Jesus. Lynn and I listened to the song. Is that okay if I just be raw? Listen, I listened to the song the other day and there's a song that I said, man, I used to love that song. And I started singing the song to myself. I said, whoa, what was we doing singing that song? It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. Second one is, I can't, it makes no difference to me who you give it to. He's not talking about something that we don't know about. Just look at somebody and say, I think everybody's got one. It's just okay. One kind or another. 
I'm trying to just be as real as I can be to get through our religious, thick-headed, hard-hearted self-righteousness that keeps us from drawing near to God. Without repentance, there is no revival. You can pray all day long for a move of God, but if you're not willing to lay down your idols, repent of your sin, confess them to the Father, there is no coming revival in a church or in an individual's life. Glory to God. So we're going to get serious about revival? Question is, are you going to get serious about revival? We get serious about revival. Some of you may be gone. That's the truth. Boy, I asked God, I said, Lord, please. He would not give me another message. Lynn knows. I said, I got nothing. This morning, I said, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me right there sitting next to her. He said, do you trust me? I said, yes, Lord. I'm going to give you what is needed, not what's wanted. (laughs) Not what pleases them, but what pleases me. This is the word of God that will set you free. Now, the whole answer to all this stuff is the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost and being baptized in the name of the Lord. What is that? I'm dying to the old self. The problem is some of us, we, we get in the coffin and just before the song is, and they put us down on the ground, we jump out of the coffin and say, whoo, that was close, and go right back to our old way of living, claiming Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. I don't care what they call themselves. Watch them long enough, you'll find out what they really are. Everybody that calls themselves a Christian is not necessarily pleasing to the Lord. Well, you know, we're not supposed to judge you, fool. Thank you. You know what that's, Brother Randy, what you just said, the Holy Ghost said to me today, I've got your back. Early this morning in prayer, about 4 35 o'clock, Holy Spirit said, I got your back. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got your back. He's my rear guard. He calls us into the pits of hell to snatch some people out that don't even know they're there. Glory to God. I believe the Holy Ghost probably talking to people right here today. Now the question is, do you have enough guts to come to God at the end of this service and just admit to God, you've been talking to me, Lord, and the game is over. Here I am. I'm real. I'm I'm jumping out from the trees. I'm taking off the fig leaf. Here I stand, Lord. Just as I am, I come. I come. Just as I am, Lord, I come. I know you love me. You came to seek me and save me because you knew I was lost. There's no use trying to fool you, God. I got a problem in my life that I need the Holy Ghost to take care of. It's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. Going back to Abel and Cain. It says that Cain, he, he got ticked off, man. He, he, and, and the Holy Spirit said to him, see, body language to God, Richard, yeah, I know you're in sales. God don't look at the outside. He looks at the inside. Say, so you got some body language going on, on the inside that don't line up with what you're saying on the outside. And he said, Cain, why has your countenance fallen? Where's your peace? Where's your joy? Where's that rest that you have? Just rest my, there's something changed about you. You're living in the, you're living down here, and you're not looking like you're supposed to be looking. And he said, Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? 
This is exactly what happens when the word of God comes forth to people that don't want to hear it. They get mad at God, get mad at the preacher. How dare you point my sin out? How dare me not point it out? Prophets are going to stand before God and give an account. And if I don't warn them, I don't know who they are. I just preach. I just talk. People say, you stepped over my toes today. Don't tell me. I want to know I was preaching to you. God doesn't give me names most of the time. Sometimes he does. He gives me the grace not to necessarily call them out. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. What, what was that? Let me go back to what I was saying. Oh, he says, why is thy countenance fallen? And then he says, Cain, sin lieth at the door. Here's what it really means. Sin, let me get up here where everybody see me. Sin is crouching. It's crouching. What's it doing? Waiting for you to look to the left or look to the right. I had a dream not too long ago. I'll tell you about this. And he says, and it's ready to take, it has, its desire is for you. Sin is hungry for you. It wants to destroy you. It wants to devour you. It wants to eat you up, spit you out where there's no evidence that you were ever here other than in the feces of the tiger that ate you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I've been having heart pains lately. I'm not so wondering. I'm not just so confident that it might not be symbolic of the God's heart for his church. He might be saying, you're killing me all over again. We, there's a lot of ways we can do that. That's why David said, Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because self-righteousness, Brother Ron, you know, I heard you say amen, so that's what I'm saying to you. Uh, self-righteousness is something that could be hid. The Pharisees were self-righteous and they were hypocritical and they thought that Jesus was talking about it. Thank God I'm not as other men. See, pride is as much sin as adultery is. Or drug addiction or, or uh, you know, I'm saying drug addiction. People fall into drug addictions, you know, trying to fill. I told this person the other day that the Lord gave me an opportunity to witness to. I said, you ever stand in a refrigerator? I was telling her about my own life. I said, I thought, well, if I just had a good job, if I just had a house out in the country, just had a couple of horses and some, and just be out all by myself, and I saw this little house, and if I just had, uh, you know, a good job, or was making good money, if I had a new car and had some nice clothes, and, and had my name, and they put my name on the TV and so forth, and so on. I was a Culligan man. It wasn't a big deal, but I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. I'd been on TV with uh, selling cars, didn't like that, six months, and, you know, and God always favored me, even though I wasn't a Christian. I was looking for God in all the wrong places. And I said, after I got that stuff, I was just living in a little place out here on Weichel's Road and had a couple acres with it, had some horses, nice little house, it was cheap rent, had a nice new car that we leased, and Lynn had got a job at Wagner's. We had been homeless before this. I was actually living with my cousin because we had nowhere to live. Me and her and Rusty. You remember that? I drove up clear to Wisconsin and tried to get a job. And they said, oh, you know, that job that you were putting, looking in for, uh, that job has been fulfilled. It's been filled. But we've got another job that, oh, man, and they, oh, it's gonna, this is going to be really good for you. So really, yeah, okay. So they take us up near Canada, drop us off, say, here, you guys got to go sell this. See, it was deceptive. 
manipulation got us so far. Well, we left our car, except Brother Jack was not trusting enough. Leave my car someplace where they drove me somewhere where I was already beginning to mistrust them, and I didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. But a snake is a snake. Sometimes you don't know what kind it is, but you know, look at them little beady eyes. They might be snakes. So I said, I'm taking my car. I said, no, no, you're riding a van with us. I said, no, no, I'm riding in my car. I'll follow you. I know how to keep eyes on your taillights. So I got up there. and After I was there about a day and a half, I went, this is nothing more than a scam. And I'm not going to be doing this. They're trying to manipulate you into a place of survival. Do what we want to or starve. You got no way home? I said, I do. I just walked down, called Lynn, said, I'm coming home. This job is not for me. Some jobs that you have are not for you. They've got you in places you never intended to go. The devil tricked you. Well, how'd they do that? Here's what they did with me. And I, I, maybe, yeah, it has something to do with the sermon. Oh, you're going to be a disc jockey. A disc jockey? Yeah. Oh, you're going to run a radio program. You're going to talk around, go around, and you're going to book, you're going to book rock stars, and, and, and you're going to be a booking agent for some of the biggest rock. So that's cool. That sounds something like I'd be into. I was a little bit into drugs, a little bit into rock music. Well, a whole lot into both of them. And so I thought, that sounds good to me, man. I'm going to go hang out with all these druggies, make some money, probably make some good connections, get more drugs, and, you know, die when I'm 28. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking that. But the truth was, that's how they baited me. Then when I got there, oh, that job's taken. But here we got this toilet job for you. Now, it's not toilet job. This is cleaning the sewers out. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's from here to here. Had you put that in the paper, I would have never even drove all the way up here. Because we were broke anyway. I had to borrow the money to get gasoline to drive that old junk car I had clear up there to even see if I could go to work provide for my family. Anyway, we come back and Lynn got a job. She, we were homeless, didn't have jobs. She got a good job at Wagner's. Worked 22 years and then they went bankrupt and took all of her. All of her. She had no pension. Oh, you think, well, I got me a pension coming. Not if you got sh charlatans at the head of the ship. They don't have to do a thing. We went bankrupt. Can't get blood out of a turnip. So the point is, don't count on anything but God to be true. To be true. So anyway, devout. I come back to devout. He says, sin life at the door. It's crouching at the door. It desires you. He's, what he's saying is, you're in charge of this, Cain. If you'll simply listen to what I'm telling you and make the right choices, yield your pride, humble yourself, and say, oh, God, it's me standing in need of prayer. I want to kill my brother, and I know it's not right. Thank God you came here before I did it. He didn't do that. He hid the sin in his heart. People leave the church doing that. They leave with unforgiveness in their heart. They leave with bitterness in their heart. They leave with gossip in their heart. They leave with all kinds of what they think is covered sin. But God sees the inside and says, why is your countenance fallen? He's trying to draw you out. Well, I was going to tell you about this dream that I had. I had this dream a few months ago. And uh, I think I've told it before. Uh, anyway, I was standing in between. I was standing looking at a hill. And there's a hill here and a hill here. And there's a valley. And I'm standing in the valley. Sometimes you're in the valley. And I'm looking around, and there's no vegetation anywhere except one tree up ahead of me on that, on that hill ahead of me. And it's, it's up above everything else. And it's just a tree. It's not a fruit tree. It's just a tree. And it's kind of twilight out. I can't see. There's no color. I'm just looking, and I, I'm looking at me, looking at the tree. I'm looking from behind there, and I'm black, and I'm dressed in black. First thing I thought was, oh, am I going to die? Are you dressed in black when they put you in a coffin? Don't ever put me in a coffin. If I die, do not put me in some color. 
resurrection life. Got purple, green, some flashes of orange in there. Shazam! I'm coming home, Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> Put me some patent leather shoes on. I used to have some had patent leather shoes. I had blue, blue snakeskin on the on the toes, and and, and it had it had a tan alligator skin on the sides and blue and heels about that tall. <laughs> Didn't I? Honey? I wore them shoes to church, man. Everybody had me down praying for me to get the Holy Ghost all over again. <laughs> I like color. Don't put me in no black suit. My lands. So anyway, I'm looking at myself from behind. And I'm looking at that tree. And I understand there. First thing I realize is, man, I'm all alone. Let me tell you something. I cut the finger off, will you, Andy? Just, or Randy, just cut that off. I don't mean touch uh, pointing fingers at you. The day you don't need the church is the day the Holy Ghost is gone. Yeah, come here, Jay. You can do that. He's only got two-thirds of a finger. so <laughs> you won't, They won't be real offended, just kind of offended. <laughs> oh. The day you don't need fellowship with the church is the day that Satan has taken over the seat of your heart. I will become God. I don't need anybody. I go to whatever church I want to go to. Well, that's okay if God's leading you. The question is, is God leading you? If you've got offense in your heart, God can't be leading you. The devil's leading you. I can't say you can't find good people, but you see what I'm saying? Uh, I have a thing here on my back. Last, when I was in Romania, I had a cyst that came up. Never had one before. It came up and got real big, like a ping pong ball. And I had to go over, and, and uh, they wouldn't operate on it because they said the infection's too bad. My whole back had this really bad, and it was really sore. It had been there for months, and it just kept bigger and bigger. And I said, what in the world is that? Kind of like a knot. Didn't hurt or nothing. They started issuing. Long story short, they put some stuff on it to draw the poison out. And eventually, I came home, and it, and it went away. And they said, well, just take a bunch of immunity drugs and so forth and so on, and Build your immunity up. So your immunity's down. That's why that stuff happens to you. Okay. So anyway, uh, my granddaughter, Lyric, went to hug me here. Well, I've had it for a couple, two, three weeks, haven't I? Probably three weeks. She went to hug me, and she said, oh, Grandpa, what's that on your back? That's not very big. It's about the size of your thumb right now. And guess what? It's in the same place where the other one was. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, the thing is, she says, when they drain that, she said, it actually forms a pocket on the inside. And if you don't take the pocket out, there's still room for that poison to fill up again. Anybody? It's a root. I said, well, how do you get rid of it? She said, you got to cut it out. Just like they did the one up, well, way up on the back. They cut it out. I don't think I want the surgery. Well, did you know that this infection gets in your system? I mean, think about this. People do this with sin. You come to an altar, oh, God, <laughs> Lord, I just, oh, God, I just give you everything I have. So sorry, Jesus, oh, God, oh, thank you, Sister Zonza, for praying for me, brother. Oh, I feel so wonderful, so can you pray for me? Okay, well, I'll see you next week. God bless you. I'll see you later. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You got the pocket. You got to get rid of it or it'll come right back on you. I said, you got to get rid of it or it'll come right back. If you don't really repent of it, it means you don't want it removed. If you don't want it removed, it has every right in the world to come in, not as an intruder, but one you invited in because you left the door open. 
Don't mean to point at you. Left the door open. Don't mean to point at you either. Left the door open, Jack. Whether it's in your mind or whether it's in your heart, if you leave the door open, the devil has access to it. And either you bolt the door, take the word of God, be transformed by... Listen, Shelly... If I was going to fall into sin and you were the only one in the church that was here, I'd come to you and say, Shelly, pray for me. I think I'm slipping. Uh-huh. Why? Because I don't want to slip. Amen. I don't want to fall. Amen. I don't want to hide things in my heart that God's going to say, you can't get in here with that. Don't you remember the scripture says right here that if you don't forgive your brother their trespasses, that God will not tra- forgive you of yours? I can't do anything about this. Your choice has set your destiny. Your willfulness... God in heaven, somebody hear me on this. I hope the Holy... People say, oh, the Holy Ghost don't convict anymore. I hope the Holy Ghost convicts people that fall in the streets and weep and cry before God. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm not going to quit praying for God's conviction to fall on people because it needs to fall on people. If nothing else, just convincing people that their lives are empty or they're headed the wrong way. So I'm sitting in this, looking at at this hill. Hill here, hill here, hill here. I'm standing looking into it. <clears throat> About where Steve and them are on the sound booth, there's a tree. Just sitting there, kind of just a tree. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think the tree has something to do with tree of life. Jesus is there. I'm sitting there looking at him. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going like this. And all of a sudden, I look to the left. Everybody say, I look to the left. I look to the left, and I look right back. And when I look right back, in between me and the tree was a great, big, huge black wolf, probably this long. Biggest wolf I've ever seen. He just stopped, dead center. Looked at me, turned his head like this. I don't know if you see his head to the right. He's going. I thought, hmm, he ain't doing nothing. I don't have to be afraid of him. You let a wolf get too close, honey, the first time you trip and fall, it will devour you on the ground. Some of you are playing with sin, and you got it right at your footsteps thinking, well, it's okay. It hasn't bothered me yet. I'll still get over it. I don't know if anybody hears me. I don't know if anybody cares. I don't know if anybody cares. This is serious stuff, church. What do you do with a wolf that you're gonna, you know it's there to devour you? You don't run from it. You kill it. Don't pick it up off the altar. If you're through with it, then leave it there. If you're not through with it, don't come here. Don't lie to God and asking him to deliver you from something that you love and don't want to get rid of. Hey. Oh, glory to God. Church getting smaller every day. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. It's a church. It's the truth. Glory to God. Well, anyway, so I'm looking and I go, there he is. So I'm looking at it, and I look back, and there he is. Ooh. And I thought, what's he doing here? What is that wolf doing here? Just look at somebody and say, well, he's up no good. I'm the only fresh meat around. Where's the sheep? The sheep weren't even around me. Strong caution. Do not leave the church. There's safety in the flock. And don't forsake your shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd, but you've also got shepherds, elders, and so forth. The church is God's design. Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves as the manner of some is. 
Well, I got Jesus in my heart. He knows my heart. Yeah, he sure does. He knew, he knew Cain's heart. When you can't come to church anymore because you don't love church, you don't love the body, you don't love the preaching, you don't love the teaching, you don't like the worship, you're just bored with the whole thing. You've got a heart problem, honey. I just got off of, I just took it off this morning. A heart monitor. Had me all cut because I've been having heart things here and my heart going for years. But I couldn't pay for it because they took my social security away from me for some weird reason. I finally got it back on. So it's okay. Now they're going to pay for it. I'm paying for the last 4000 I'm not going to pay for this one. So they said, what well, you got that on there for? Because something is irregular with your heart. Well, I'm still standing up. Still breathing. I went on a 10-mile 10, 10 uh, bike ride yesterday. And I rode 10 miles an hour. I'm puddled, man. Up here, I went on the toughest course I could get. Because I, I wanted to find out. I wanted to make it do what it was supposed to do. It, it didn't do the one thing I wanted it to do. It did some other stuff. And so I went all the way there and all the way back. And you say, well, you might be okay. Dr. Cola says, no. See, we looked at a test that goes deep, and we examined you to see if you had any wickedness in there. This is how I'm spiritualizing it. He didn't say that. I'm trying to see if there's anything. There's something not wrong because this test, that's an internal test. It's an internal test. tells us something's not right. And if you don't take care of it, it's going to get worse, and you could just be out and drop dead one day. The warning signs, church, are everywhere. Warning signs are in the church. Church attendance is down across the country. Giving is down in the church across the country. Hospitality, people connecting with one another, down across the country. Oh, there's a few pockets here and there. But most people go all week long, sometimes a month long. They say that, Michael, the average church member today in America attends eight churches regularly in a year. Where's your commitment? How would you like your husband to go and say, well, i got seven concubines out here. I'll be back when I get back. <laughs> or your beloved wife. Well, honey, I might be home in a couple weeks. I've got seven other boyfriends I've got to see before I get back here. Well, honey, who is this going to come visit you in the hospital when you're sick? Georgie boy, <laughs> he's already got three other concubines. He don't care about you. Now, see, the, the church... <laughs> Some people are just trying to fill up the pews because they're trying to fill up the coffers to build things that are going to say, look at what all the wonderful works that we've done, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do works. We, we, God may have us build hospitals, but that's not what he, God did not call us to build hospitals. He did not cause, cause us to build, call us to build home shelters. He called us specifically, Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples. Jesus came I came to build hospitals and, and charge food programs and so forth. No, the world is going to be where they're at. We are never charged to feed the world. The church is called to feed one another. And it says when they see the love that you have, when they, they see the coffers filled out there, but the love doesn't have to be connected with a social security check. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, FEMA doesn't have to be love. And they got tax money and I'm, nothing wrong about any of these things. And, and thank God, like Brother Rusty said earlier, the church, thank God there's enough godliness left in the hearts, or at least in the minds, that we know what to do, that it does move our nation towards doing something that the world looks at and says, America will help you. See? The love of God has to move us towards one another. Now, if we were just honest, say, well, are we moved towards, are we, are we moved 
towards, do we love coming to church? Do we love the people of God? Do we like fellowship with you? Have we opened our home to have a few people over for dinner once in a while or just have a cookout? Or have we called somebody, let's go to Dairy Queen? Or have we went over and, and mowed so-and-so's yard or took care of sister so-and-so's windows or, or whatever, or the widow over here? Have we done, oh, what about their children? Are we taking care of children? If there's no mindset about that in the church, I think the Holy Ghost is saying you got a heart condition. So what are we going to do? Well, I'm getting ready to call the church into a prayer and fasting mode. I've already did some of mine. And I'll tell you, it like killed me. It was a long one. It wasn't as long as I've been on, but it was long enough to say, ooh, it's a whole lot easier when I'm 25 than when I was 49. A whole lot easier than I'm 60. You know, I know you didn't believe a thought about that. A 49, what you're talking about is all the cars. Liar, liar, 69. How about 69? Uh, anyway, the elder's been talking about this. And I started this weeks ago. And when they ministered to the Lord, the Holy, it says, and they were all together. And as they ministered to the Lord, this is why God said, put the program away. Get into my presence. When the Holy Ghost takes over the church, it says, and then the Holy Ghost spake. We got all kinds of boards and committees and opinions and smart people and opinionated people that are trying to make decisions for the church. But the Holy Ghost spoke and said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've chosen them for. Oh, you mean you're calling the shots? You darn right, yes. That's where we want to be as a church. I asked the Holy Spirit here, oh, how long has it been, Brother Ron? You know what I'm getting ready to say about the uh, Lord. How come? What's the deal? Why are we not able to grow? That's been a month ago, too. I said, Lord, I understand. What is it? I said, we, where's revival? we got to have revival. Where's the, power? Where's the passion? What, what's, what's going on, Lord? What's going on? I don't understand. What's happening, Lord? What's holding us back? And he gave me a word. Possessiveness. I said, possessiveness? Said, yeah, everybody thinks it's their church. People think it's their department. So I said, oh, I don't know who that fits, but it, it, to me, it talks to every person here. I want Brother Jim to hear this because he, he had to leave. Uh, every person, every department head here, every person in the worship team, every person in the Sunday school team, every person in the youth, every, person, every usher, every, everybody. I'm going to call the church together. I'm going to call the elders together the next few weeks on Wednesday night, and I'm going to ask you to make a sacrifice. Unless you work second shift, can't be here. So, but to be here, and I don't know what, I told the church Wednesday night, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I'm going to call a time of consecration. I feel like the Holy Spirit and Brother, Brother Ron actually brought it out to me for a couple meetings ago that we had. He said, you said the Holy Ghost said this, blah, 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 blah. And we said, well, what's the answer to this? And the answer is prayer and fasting and letting everybody examine their hearts. Say, Lord, am I holding on to something? Am I holding on to an unforgiveness? Oh, I'm going to break it down. Not just control the churches. I will choose who I forgive and who I don't forgive. I will choose who I hold on. How do you know you haven't forgiven? If every time somebody gets around you, you bring it up, you're holding on to a grudge. And Jesus talks about that. Our scriptures talk about that. In 1 Corinthians, if we're Bible readers, he says, love does not hold a grudge. The water of the word washes us. How many people, don't hold your hands up. How many people in the church today are actually in their word on a regular basis? In America, it's in the low percentages. So the point is, I'm not trying to condemn us at all. I was asked, as a matter of fact, I was going to have, a, have an outline. I thought, well, I'm going to try to get an outline so everybody likes me. I'll get, you know, 
We have to repent. In order to repent, what do you have to do? Well, God says, I'm not, I don't condone sin. I don't, I don't compromise. I'm not asking you to compromise with sin. I'm asking you to come completely out of sin. Now, you do that in your heart and your mind. How many of you know, no matter how well you want to do, you, there's times when you go, oops, I missed it. Hold your hand up. So nobody, no lightning here. Thank you, Jesus. Fireproof. Praise the Lord. All right. So, but anyway, uh, seeking the Lord, saying, just search your heart. And, and, and not just for yours only individually, but pray for us as a congregation. And maybe it's the whole church in America. I don't know. I wasn't praying about the church in America. I was praying about us. I want to see revival. Now, when, how do you know you're in revival? Because sinners come in and they rush to an altar and they repent over their sins. People come up to people they've had an ought with and say, Tammy, please forgive me. I was, I was, I, what you said to me the day hurt me, and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me for that? Yeah. And, and, would you pray for me right now? I just had to confess that. I just had to get it on my I love you. I just had a flesh thing come up in me, and I just wasn't guarded. The wolf got a hold of me. Would you pray for me right now? Just pray. I want to pray. You know I love you. I'll pray for Tammy. God, I ask you to bless her and just prosper her, and, and God, forgive me for holding any sin against her, Lord God, or any unforgiveness or any ought that I had, Lord, perceived or real. How many, many people's oughts are perceived? It's a perception. And then she prays for me. Well, that's kind of a weird church. Yeah, it's called a practicing church. It's weird today. It's just a little different today. Now, nah, you know what I'm saying. You had to take discretion with some of this stuff. So I'm asking you over the next three weeks to ask the Lord and, and to commit yourself. I don't know who is, who doesn't. doesn't make any difference to me. My heart would be like Paul said, would to God, or the, uh, Moses, would to God, all, the, all of God's people were prophets. Would to God, everybody was doing this. But to, to take time during this next three weeks to fast and pray. You may fast a, one meal a day for the whole next three weeks. It probably wouldn't hurt many of us. <laughs> Most of us, maybe, I don't know. Uh, you may fast a complete day. When, when you get into fast like this, what will happen is sometimes you'll get up and you won't eat until late in the afternoon. You've been fasting all morning, and then you'll eat a little meal, and boom, you go right back in. Next morning, you wake up, and you can't eat. You're not hungry. Praise the Lord. Go into prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Go into praise. What's happening? God is allowing you to draw near to him so he can draw near to you. And when you draw near, you begin to hear. What's the problem, Lord? What's the solution, Lord? Is it me, Lord? No, it's not you, but, oh, brother, I'm so glad you drew near to me because I, I didn't come to condemn you. What did he say? Where are your, oh, the woman at the adulteress, I'm coming back to the woman. Where are accusers? She said what, Jeannie? Where are accusers? What did she say? There are none. Why? Because they've all sinned. They can't point their finger at you and judge you for your sin because they've all sinned. So that's the point. You see what I'm saying? So he said, neither do I condemn you. But what he didn't say was, neither do I contone what you're doing, neither will I compromise with my word, go and sin no more. That was the implication. Not here's your grace basket. Just go out and fornicate and adulterate and gossip. See, that's where there are a lot of people in the church today have taken the grace message and they use it to exercise the lust of their flesh, believing that the blood of Jesus covers it all. Well, how dare you drag the blood of Jesus or the body of Christ through the streets anew because you want the right to do something that the law has already been fulfilled. So I'm going to rest on the law, but I'm going to live in this filthiness. And that can... That can include your TV watching and your movie viewing. There was a day when if you watched pornography, you, know, you got caught. My dad, my stepdad had a deck of cards that had naked women on it. If he was caught with it, this is back in the 1960s, 
they would throw him in jail and fine him for carrying that kind of information. Wasn't too long after that, Playboy magazine comes out, then Hustler magazine, then all of a sudden it's everywhere on every, book, on every shelf. Now they have, down, they have upgraded PG-13 movies, or downgraded R-rated movies that used to be... There was a... Let me tell you this. In the 60s, I mean early 70s before I got saved, early 70s, I think I was out of high school. I know it was. We were all read out back from the army. <clears throat> there, was a woman, there was a show that came to TV, and I'll let you go. And it was called I, a Woman. Wasn't that it, Lynn? I, a Woman? We didn't go see it. They wouldn't allow it to be seen in Decatur. It was supposed to be showing at the Lincoln Theater. And the reason why it wouldn't be allowed is because the woman that's in there says, so I, a Woman. It's about women, femin- uh, what do you call that, feminist, feminist movement. And so she, in the middle of the movie, she's braless, and she takes her shirt, and she goes like this. And they said, that's it, and they barred it. I refused to let them watch it, walk, uh, watch this. I w- wouldn't even let it in the city. Today, you'd have marchers from all over the country coming in talking about freedom of speech, freedom of speech. And now, so what they've done is they've changed the R-rated movies when they used to have the one really, really bad word that probably most people of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You couldn't have that word in there and it had to be an R-rated movie. Well, now you can have five of them in a PG-13 movie because they're dumbing down your sense of morality and virtue. And now you are tolerating something you wouldn't have eaten 10 years ago. I'm shaking my finger because you, whoever you is, it's us, I don't know, us, we, we have to be very careful. What are you tolerating now that after you were saved, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name or whatever, you got baptized and washed and it just felt so clean, you live, and you just get around something and say, oh, I don't want to watch that. Now all of a sudden you're going, hey, let's go ahead and record that and we can watch it when we get home. God says, repent and do your first week's works over. Book of Revelations. You're far from me. You've drifted from me. So what do we do? We say, okay, God, what's the woman have to do? I confess my sin. I confess my sin. She didn't argue with Jesus. Hey, that wasn't sin. We've been engaged for 10 years. She didn't say that. Today you'll get an argument, people in the church. Well, we're just living together, but we're, we're, we're still married. Oh, really? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, three people, okay, because everybody else knows somebody that's in that situation. You're afraid to tell them what they're really living in. When Doc was here, had a young couple that was visiting. They came up to meet him. Doc Robinson's like a bull in a china shop. He said, oh, Jesus loves you so much, honey. Praise the Lord. Is this your little, is this, are you two going to get married? Oh, you don't know you're getting married. Praise the Lord. You like each other, though? Yeah, yeah. He said, are you living in fornication? (laughs) He said, you know, I know you really want to love Jesus, but if you really want to love Jesus, he said, you, need to, you, need to, you need to get that right because God is not at all pleased with that. That's not what Christian people do, and it's not what God's people want. He said, if you love me, keep my commandment. And one of his commandments was, thou shalt not commit adultery. So we can't even preach the word anymore because we're afraid we're going to be sued. We're afraid we'll lose our friends. Well, if we preach that, Pastor, there won't be many people left in the church. Well, if we don't preach, there won't be any of us in heaven. Well, praise the Lord. Another friendly message from a friendly pastor and a friendly church, <laughs> friendly sister. <laughs> no, no, no. You give the glory to God. It's him who gives the message. Come on. He takes these trembling knees and strengthens them by the power of his might and makes us say what he wants us to say. 
takes the trumpet, puts it back in the case, and the, ca- and the trumpet lays in the case. He goes, oh, my God, what have I done? No, this last thing, I looked at the wolf, and all of a sudden, I glanced to my left, and I looked back, and he was gone. I went, oh, he was right, just the hind quarter and his tail slipping around behind me, looking for a more, looking for a more, what's that word? Opportune season. Don't let him get behind you. (laughs) Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just keep looking at Jesus. Why? Because the world, oh, we got the far right. We got the far left. Well, you know what are you? I'm just looking afar. I'm looking afar right into him. I want to go to heaven. I'm not here to say the democratic world, the Republican world, the independent world, the Muslim world. I'm here to make it to heaven in a world that has no suffering, no sin, no shame, no death. Come on. I'm looking for a new world to come. I'm in love with, I'm praying that God will give me the grace to love his appearing. Saying, I can't wait for Jesus to come saying, oh, I hope he'll quit. I want to get my college done. I want to get married and have kids and live in a great big fancy house. And I wanted to buy, I wanted to retire and go to the Bahamas and so forth and so on. Jesus says it in Luke. He says it again in Mark. I think he says it in, one, in the other gospels. He says, don't love the world. Or he basically says, don't lay up treasures in heaven. Would you stand with me? Amen. I probably held you longer than I needed to on your behalf. I'm not asking, I'm not asking you to give me, uh, well, I do pray you give me grace, but <laughs> show me mercy. But I, I just want you to know that a garden untended eventually will be overgrown with weeds. And none of the fruit that you took all the hard work to plant and hope for will ever come up to perfection. Can we just seek my heart? So I want you to be fasting and praying the next three weeks. You might fast every day for a meal or two meals or however you want to break that up. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and do what you feel. And do it to draw near to God. Do it to draw near to God so we can hear from God. Say, Lord, what do you want to speak? What do you want to say to me? Brother Ron, when I was talking to the elders, me, he says, Pastor Jack, he said, that means even me. And I said, well, Pastor Ron, even me. I have to say, Lord, search me. Am I possessive? Do I, have I got my hands on something that I won't let go of? That God can't take in charge of or he can't put other people. You know, whatever that means. What does that mean? I want to let go of the church and let God have his way. Amen. And when he does, Sharon, I heard you saying yes. When he does, God will be glorified in the earth and in this house and in your life. Amen. Be sure of that. God bless you. Can you just, can you say, Lord, here we are. Here I am. Do with me what needs to be done. I know you're my Lord and my Savior. I want to prove that by surrender, by yieldedness, by humility. Most of all, Lord, by the love of God working in me to keep me clean and working through me to bring others out of darkness into life or into light. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory and honor. We know, as Jesus said, I myself can do nothing. The Father within me is one that does the work. Well, Lord, now we're praying, God, do the work in us individually. Do the work in us as a congregation. Do the work in our city. Do the work in our nation. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. God, help us to lay it all on the altar and leave here. Amen. Hallelujah. Allowing you to just do what you want to do in Jesus' name. I'm going to open these altars. You don't have, I'm not going to even ask prayer people to come here. 
If you want someone to pray with you, you can do that. But I'm opening these, these up here. we got places up here. You can kneel. You can kneel at your seat. You can kneel up here. If you can kneel, I would suggest, suggest that you do because it does something about saying, listen, when they arrest you, what do they do? Get on your knees. Put your hands behind you or whatever. Why? Because then they have control over you. You can't get up and run out. How many of you are willing to let God arrest you? Praise the Lord. We can start with 10. We can start with 10. I'm going to ask these prayer warriors to take your place first at the, at the altars, if you would. Just in praying. I'm talking about Mary and Tammy and Lynn and, and Craig and Janice. If you would, I'm going to ask you to just take a place. Just to pray for the congregation. Pray for yourself. If you just turn around and take a place of prayer. And then as they come up, if you, if you want to ask somebody to pray for you, just come, come to any of them. The rest of you, just find a place to pray. Fill these altars. Let's go home with a new hope that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth in us. In Jesus.